Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that you chose us. Lord, that your plan for our salvation, Lord, extends all the way back before the foundations of the earth. Lord, as we gather around your word this morning, we would ask that you break it small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray. Amen. I saw a shirt a while back and it said, I have ADD OCD. In the back of it said, things have to be perfect but not for very long. (laughs) That pretty well sums up my state of affairs. The way that my mind works sometimes is that it runs in a thousand miles an hour in a dozen different directions, and it's easy to feel like I don't have control over any of them. And I know that that is not an experience that I am alone in having, that we have as a people this habit of distraction, of interruption, of all of these things that we have in our life where they sometimes knock our plans off track. And sometimes it's bigger things like, What we had expected in our life is very different than what we actually experience. But you are where you are. I would invite you this morning to turn to our epistle lesson from Ephesians chapter 1. By nature, as a people, we need to know where we are going and why we should be there. We don't like aimlessly wandering, feeling like we are without a purpose. We have to know where we are going and why we should be there. Even if we feel like our life is or has gone off the rails. By nature, our bodies were made to be in motion. We weren't supposed to stand in one place for all of our existence and watch the world turn around us. And actually, if you stay static, your muscles begin to atrophy and your body begins to respond in a negative fashion. You are made to be in motion, to be moving from one place to another. But the difference between aimlessly wandering and being predestined for a purpose is the direction in which we travel. In the fellowship of the ring, Tolkien writes this poem 
so that Frodo knows where to find the lost king. And so he says, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire shall be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be blade that was broken. The crownless again shall be king. So often the things that we take and we look and we see this doesn't make sense. We don't understand why and we can't quite put the pieces together. And it feels like we who wander may in fact actually be lost. That things don't always go the way that we anticipate. But the lens that we see our purpose through impacts how we understand everything else around us. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus this morning and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then listen carefully, he says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Did you catch the purpose that we are to be holy and blameless? In other words, we are to live in a way that gives glory to God in all things that we do. See, in Luther's world, there was a phrase where they would call it the Sitzenleben, your situation in life. And regardless of where your situation in life is, or was, it sometimes leaves us wondering what our purpose looks like. And sometimes this happens when there's big life transitions, when we go from being a middle schooler into high school and we suddenly have this explosion of new culture and of friends and a whole new world. And the same thing happens when you go to college or even when you start a new job. Or maybe it's something where your family is beginning to grow, where you've gone from being single to now you're in a committed relationship to being married to having kids. And whoa, what are we ready for this? And then your kids grow up a little bit and they break an arm here or there. And then at some point, and this is still years off for me, but for those that have experienced watching their children grow and leave the nest, that transition of what now? What 
does that purpose look like? My purpose was to raise my kids and now it's different. They're grown. They're raised. Now what do I do? Your situation in life. But see, regardless of what that looks like, God works to reorient our final destination. See, the Apostle Paul is very clear with the church in Ephesus to say that there is some bigger purpose at play here, that our short-sighted vision sometimes only allows us to see that which is right in front of us. Maybe it's a task. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it is an experience or a trip or whatever that might be. When that ends, then what? And Paul reminds us here that it's bigger than any of that. That it's not about what you do for God's sake, but instead this is all about where he does it. In the next chapter in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we were once far off. We were distanced from God, and yet through Christ we are all, all mankind, given a hope and adoption as sons and daughters of our King. You see, you are who you are. And we are not defined by our purpose. But who we are defines our purpose. And before you start to think that this sounds like some five steps to a better you kind of sermon, that's not about what this is. There's no magic formula or no magic bullet that they can somehow put all of these things back together in a rational mind. But instead, the Apostle Paul uses the word mystery. Because who you are is important. And recognizing that is sometimes half of the battle because our identity in the old Adam and the old Eve inclines us to rebellion against God. But our identity in God's image through baptism inclines us to lean even heavier on God's grace. God desires all people to be saved and sent His Son to make this all a reality. The cross of the theologian, we call it the crux teologorum, is this question of why are some saved and not others? Lord, my neighbor lives a really good life and I know he's not a Christian because he's told me so, but man, he's out serving in the community. 
He's always there to help. He's going to give you the shirt off his back. He's just a really good guy, but he rejects the gospel. Why am I saved and he is not? Why are some saved and not others? There's no logical answer that we can just pin everything up on. God does not predestine some to be saved and then others to be damned. But by the same token, he also does not completely and universally absolve and completely negate all of those things that would otherwise condemn us. Instead, his plan for redemption opens the way to heaven for all who believe in him. As Luther writes his commentary in Romans, he says in chapters 9, 10, and 11, the apostle teaches about the eternal predestination of God. Follow the order of the epistle. This is where your steps come in. First, be concerned about Christ and the gospel in order to recognize your sin and his grace. Then, fight against your sins. Adam must be quite dead before a man is able to bear this subject and to drink this strong wine. Watch that you do not drink wine while you were still an infant. We have been predestined for a purpose that reflects who Christ is in us. See, the Apostle Paul went to great lengths to show how he was the least of these. Reminding his hearers and readers that he was imprisoned, he was in chains, that he is the chief of sinners. A lost sheep far off from his shepherd. And yet God still saw fit to draw him closer, clothe him and us in Christ and adopt us as sons and daughters of his own. So that in this way you are more than you are. So that we do not wander aimlessly or without purpose. And that as the prophet Amos tells us today, that plumb line that we are measured by. That everything else in our life is measured against this purpose that we were predestined for. be holy and blameless. But in a way that only Christ can work on our behalf. To be faithful in following God in a way that only the Holy Spirit can allow. The hope that we have in a heavenly inheritance is for all people, saint and sinner. Because God relentlessly pursues even the most rebellious of his sheep. 
We are saved by grace through faith. And that faith now saves you. Because the gifts of God are given to all mankind. And we are led by the Spirit to receive them. Each time we have the opportunity to come before the Lord's table and receive the gifts that He gives. We do so with an open palm that He would fill us up. That He would give us our daily bread, all of those things that He knows that we need and then some and more because our heavenly inheritance is more than anything we hold fast to on earth. God has had this purpose for you since before the foundation of the world so that every empty seat is an opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus so that God always gets the glory now and forevermore. Amen.